0: Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Maps Weekly Look at All Things Houston Bars and Restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map Food Editor Eric Sandler. I have Joshua Weissman from Construction Concepts coming up in a little bit. But first I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is an expert on food, wine, and good times. Elise Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you?
1: Hey, 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 hey. I am doing amazing. I'm so excited about this week's show. I gotta tell you. Gotta tell you, I'm super excited.
0: Well, yeah, we have we have a couple of cool restaurants to talk about, and we will get to that shortly. But first, let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one: Atlas Restaurant Group has announced that it will replace Uzo Bay with Izumi, an upscale Japanese restaurant. Now, Felice, you may recall that the last time you were on the show, we talked about the closing of Uzo Bay, and I speculated. That,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That it, might, it. that it might that it might just yeah, be a
0: Japanese yeah. restaurant. This is just this is just a guess, right? Okay.
1: This this is Eric. This is an Eric um, prediction. Come on with it.
0: They have a sushi restaurant, and I think, like, I think if you look at the mix in River Oaks District, right? You've got upscale Vietnamese with like Colonial. You got steak with Steak Forty Eight. You got you got Mad Spanish Tapas Wild. You got Toulouse French. You got Bari now Italian. What's missing? Sushi, right? I upscale Japanese. So, I think if I had to guess, or or they'll do something completely new, right? Like they they you know it's a they got a talented group of people in that company. They could come up with something completely new. But if I had to guess, I I bet you they bring some version of their one of their sushi concepts to to Houston. That's my guess.
1: You called it, Eric. Let me you know you you called it. you bet money you you were right okay
0: as as the uh as the sharps say in the in the betting space i may have been working on some inside information
1: i was going to say that but you know i want to give you your props first and then i was going to call you out that's how that works
0: fair enough so <laughs> so now that you know that it's going to be a japanese restaurant what do you think? As as an addition to everything else that's going on in River Oaks District, whether that's Stake Forty Eight, Bisou, Toulouse, Bari, Lake Colonial, Mad, Ojo de Agua, and Lock bar. it's it's sister concept.
1: It works. I think it's. We kind of talked about it. It's smart. It's on trend. Um, I actually um, looked it up after reading your article. Um, so I think it definitely works, you know, from that standpoint of what they want to do and, um, kind of what's kind of going on with all the other restaurants where it fits into the landscape. I just hope they're able to, you know, they have these, the way they see it fitting and what they want is like sophisticated presentations with an immersive, experience i'm like you know those are big words i want that but we want the food to taste good right like everyone wants <laughs> i'm <Right>. sorry <laughs> and, and and
0: and you know just thinking about kind of what's in that extended galleria area right you don't have to go too far to the other side of 610 to get two restaurants that are pretty good at doing high quality japanese food with an immersive experience one of them, of course, is Nobu, which is which is in the mall, and then the other one is Uchiko, uh, which is a sister restaurant to Uchi that's on Post Oak, uh, where you and I had dinner last year and had a really good meal. Correct. So, and and then if you just if you want to go east just a little bit to, to Wesleyan, you get to Roka Akor, which I'm you know I, I understand when I say a restaurant flies under the radar that I'm one of the people responsible for putting restaurants on the radar, uh, but. It's been open for a few years now. We don't talk about it very much, but I've never had a bad meal at Roku before. Right. And if I want uh, you know, like a steak and sushi kind of combo experience, it would be one of my very, my very first choices, I think. So, you know, they, they're they're kinda and and that's kind of what they're doing, right? They have high end Japanese beef, they have sushi, they have small plates and shareables and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I think you know not that i not that i have any doubt about atlas restaurant groups ability to execute right i really like lock bar and i really like marmo there there are other projects here in houston but you know it's a i'm just saying it's a highly competitive environment
1: correct i just think that they need to i want them to be more on the food tasting good because again the immersive and um Sophisticated, we got that. We know, I know that they can do that well, right? And every one of the places you just named, they do that well. Like, that's, that's um, an expectation. That's a bare minimum to me where they're going. That's literally a bare minimum. Like, so if you're going into that space, that is expected, right? Now I need to have that and Great tasting food, and let's join that together. That's right. it.
0: Because, because, if you listen to last week's show, you know that Becky Masson and I found a great experience at Bari, but we didn't like the food very much. So you don't, you don't want to come up short.
1: So if they can do that, um, and I think that they, you know, I think they'll deliver. They will, they'll. They'll. They'll make the the location and where they're going because they have prime location where they're going to be, <laughs> you know, that's prime real estate where they're located. So
0: yeah, it's at the entrance to Roegs <laughs> district. So, correct. <laughs> you know, you can see it from the street. It's yes, I agree with you. It's, you know, of all of the sort of options, it it's where you want to be, I would say. It's
1: where you want to be. So I, they're set up to win. They're set up to win. So I'm cheering for them.
0: Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to topic number two. Culinary Concepts, this is the hospitality group behind State Fair and Liberty Kitchen, is opening real luxury cinemas and the Audrey Restaurant and Bar in the Market Street development in the Woodlands. Uh, We should say that Culinary Concepts is also the company that's in the process of reviving the River Oaks Theater, and they're related to, you know, I always screw this up. I always say I I always either say Studio Movie Grill when it's Star Cinema Grill or the other one. Hold on, let me let me let me make sure I get this right. It is Star Cinema Grill. See, I always do that. I always tag them with the wrong. Anyway, they know the movie business. They own Star cinema They're they're connected yeah. to Star Cinema Grill, and they're taking over a, a Cinemark location that closed. I think it's only got five or six screens, and then they're doing the Audrey, obviously named after Audrey Hepburn. Uh, That'll be like an eclectic kind of modern American restaurant. You know, we keep talking about changes coming to the woodlands and especially Market Street. It's been a it's been a busy time for openings there. If you go back a couple of years, they had Masters Ocean Club. You know, more recently, Boss Cat Kitchen just opened there this year. Sixty Vines opened there this year. So a lot, a lot happening uh, in that little corner of the woodlands. And so, at least I say all that to say to you. What do you think about real luxury cinemas and the Audrey?
1: You know, the people in the woodlands, they like a good time. You know, they don't want to come into the city. They could care less what we have going on. They want it right there. So I think this is very smart, right? Like they want a good time, they want things to do. So that's why we see all the things that are happening in the woodlands and all the people trying to have a concept out there, get out there. So this is super smart. And why it's smart is they're trying to, you know, add a little look to it. So we're not just giving you, you know, dinner and a movie. We're giving you a little look. We're doing the whole um, um, restaurant kind of thing, right? They're doing – so I, I want to go out there and see how they – do this whole restaurant theme because I'm thinking of, it gives me kind of old Hollywood because it's called the Audrey probably, but it's giving me uh, more of an experience where when we first had this whole um, movie with some advanced kind of offerings of meals, we were excited. So I think they're just upping the ante on that and just taking it to the next level. I don't think the people in the Woodlands necessarily you know, care about that so much. Um, But, you know, you have a couple of people that want an elevated experience. So I think once that kind of catches on, it's going to be a big deal. It'll be like, you know, they'll make a lot of money. It'll be huge.
0: Well, right. Well, within yeah, within the context of whatever they can do with, you know, five screens or whatever. But, but right, I, I, I think you're really onto something. If they just wanted to do a regular movie theater, it would have been a star cinema grill, right? There's nothing right. there's nothing that would have prevented them from turning that cinemark into a star cinema grill. But this, you know, real luxury cinema with upgraded seating and a better menu. So like you can you can eat while you watch the movie, which I and and more importantly from my perspective, frankly, drink while you watch the movie. Right. Like we we want that wine list, we want those cocktails, we want that beer to go with our popcorn or snacks or or, you know, sliders or whatever. And then to have the additional restaurant with that kind of, like you said, that kind of luxurious decor, Hollywood glam theme combined with an approachable menu, right? You you know, they're not, you know, neither Liberty Kitchen nor State Fair is exactly reinventing the wheel when it comes to food, but they are consistent and pretty well executed. So knowing that they can kind of do that in this new environment, I think, you know, I think that's all to the
1: good. Yeah. I'd go, I'd go. Yeah, it, well, and I
0: think that's the other thing, right? Is I just I don't go to the movie theaters that often anymore. Me you know, either. That's of, one kind of thing post, post, I go. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. Right. Post pandemic, <laughs> yeah. right. So give me an experience, right? Give me, give me the comfortable seating. Give me the, give me the food and drink, and I'm more likely, right? Because I can't do that at home. Right. Not, not in the same way. And then let's do topic number three. Esquire has named Easy's Liquor Lounge to its list of the best bars in America, 2023. Well, I had Matt Tanner and Morgan Weber from Agricole Hospitality on the show a while back. We talked about Easy's pretty extensively before it opened. Uh, We haven't said as much about it since it opened in the fall, so I thought this was kind of a good second to sort of check in on it. Have you been to Easy's Liquor Lounge, and if so, do you have thoughts?
1: You know what? I'm so embarrassed that I have not gone. I know you've talked about it, and I've heard people talk about it, and I have not. Now... I'm really embarrassed because you know I am a cocktail girl. I'm all about the I'm all about the spirits, honey. And SR has made it on that list, and I'm like, what What is going on with you? So I definitely have to get there before all the Houston people get there um, and start telling me about it. You know, so let me apologize to the people of Houston that I haven't <laughs> been there yet, Eric. You know, let me apologize that this made this list and I haven't made it yet. So. You Let let me throw it back to you as you throw it to me. You tell me what your thoughts are.
0: Well, I I have to say, I really, like, I've been there very often for reasons, but I, I have enjoyed my visits there. It's got this really fun kind of retro interior, you know, Matt spent months, maybe even years, like sourcing vintage advertisements, neon signs, pool tables, all this stuff that just makes it feel like, you know, a kind of casual divey bar from like the eighties or nineties. In my description, it's from the era when you could still smoke in bars. That's what it. That's what mm. it looks like. Which is not is not a, an activity <laughs> that I feel any nostalgia for because I don't miss leaving bars and smelling like an ashtray. Right. Uh, but but you know it it that's kind of what it reminds me of. And it was inspired by classic dive bars in the heights, like Alice's Tall Texan and the Shiloh Club which are the places that Matt and Morgan and some of the other people affiliated with the project like to hang out at. And mm-hmm. so they basically, they said, well, if we like this environment, we can create our version of that and then bring our standards for cocktails. Because, you know, it's the thing about a dive bar, right? Is you're, you're either drinking spirits neat, maybe a highball or a beer, right? You're not, yeah. you're not asking them to make complex cocktails. Uh, and they and they wouldn't and they wouldn't even if you asked them to, so you know, <laughs> like, but it but it easy you can get really delicious like really fun cocktails uh and then they they have a little bit of food, but it's really all about that environment and creating that experience, and they they've done that really well, and so for Esquire, you know whatever process led to someone from Esquire going and reporting back and getting put on this list it's it's the only Texas bar on the list this year, so congrats to. Congrats to Matt and Morgan and everybody at Easy's on making the Esquire list. And, oh, I love uh, that. And, and you know, I, all I'll say for the people is Monday night is steak night. So just keep that in mind as you're sort of planning out your week. Like, it's a good night to go to Easy's.
1: Hey, there you go. There you go. I'll be there. When, and maybe on a Monday night. That's all I'm saying.
0: All right. There you go. That does it for the News of the Week. We'll be right back with our Restaurants of the Week. Stick around. least for our restaurants of the week, I have two places I want to talk to you about. And and I think we're gonna go maybe a little long, because these are two of the better restaurants I think that you and I have been to in quite some time. Let me start with Little's Oyster Bar. This is the new seafood restaurant from Pappas Restaurants. It takes the former Little Pappas space on Shepherd. You know, we've talked about this some, but it's essentially the first new high-end, you know, luxury concept from Pappas restaurants since Pappas Brothers Steakhouse opened, and that's almost 30 years ago. And they've taken this iconic space with its, you know, Art Deco signage, and they completely changed it. And they brought in a chef from California and they completely changed the menu. So, you know, a lot of attention, a lot of high expectations. Let, let me let me throw it to you. One of the reasons I invited you to, to come with me to Little's Oyster Bar is that I know you you have an affection for Pappas restaurants in general and papa Doe, their Cajun Seafood concept in particular. So as a as a Pappas fan and a Papa Doe regular, what did you think of Little's Oyster Bar?
1: Okay. Let me can I just say Littles is that girl. I'm gonna call her because it's that girl. She is the moment. You know that little woman. She is the moment. She is a vibe. And she, it's, I'm going to say she, because it's giving all of that. And that's what, you know, we do as women. So she is the vibe. And as a, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even put it in the box of a Papa Dose where you're like, it's Papa Dose, it, it doesn't even give me the Papa Dose, um vibe. It is double clap, hand clap, snap. If you're going to do something in 2023 and add to that portfolio, this is what you do. It just, it's excellent on so many levels. They knocked it out of the park. When we walked in, I was just like, Eric, they did the damn thing. Like, this is it. It is such a vibe and um, I was so impressed and I hadn't even tasted the food yet <laughs> I, <was> so <laughs> I, li- I literally remember I was just like okay I'm like this is going to be the spot for a minute Um, because it just has good energy it feels good it looks good it just the attention to detail I was so impressed I, again we hadn't even I hadn't even I took a drink, I took a bite of food. I was just so excited just to be there. And I'm like, okay, they did the damn thing. That That's what I thought. That, that, again, hadn't tasted any food. <laughs> then I looked at the menu and I was like, what I say? I'm like, they have Grouper on the menu. I'm like, no one has Grouper. This was, I think, the second place. I'm like, Eric, they have Grouper on the menu. Like, what? I, I think I wanted to cry right there.
0: And you were like, "Yeah, I know, I know." <laughs> uh, You've given me a lot to work with. I, I, I'm with you, right? I, I like that a restaurant group that's as that's as big and as successful as Pappas is really going for it, right? Like bringing all of their resources, you know, in-house design, the buying power, the the boats that they use to catch seafood. And putting them in, you know, one relatively small restaurant and bringing in Jason Ryzek and being like, all right, you know, we, we, you know, they, they worked with him to get some, you know, to make sure that it still worked in a, in a Pappas context, but basically turning the guy loose to do a luxury seafood restaurant. And, and it's just, yeah, it's exciting. And we had a really good meal. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we did, we did oysters and caviar and tuna tartare with watermelon and lobster gnocchi and crab croquettes. And you mentioned the grouper. We also had salmon. Uh, we had grits, we had carrots, and then we had dessert. Right.
1: We had king um, salmon. Not to be right. confused, with like king salmon. Right,
0: right. A farmed, a farmed king salmon product from New Zealand that's similar to, or king, but is a different uh, fishery, a different, uh, whatever producer yeah um so what were maybe a couple of your favorite dishes what what stood out for you
1: definitely of course the grouper um and again and we talked to chef jason about it and he was saying that over like i guess the that weekend that was one of the popular um dishes that came out of the kitchen and i was like probably you know do that mean people like grouper Maybe, maybe they're just as excited, they like grouper, or maybe they're just excited to see something different on the menu, right? Like, okay, we know Redfish, we know Snapper. Hey, we we have a restaurant that's bold enough not to just offer it as a special. They're standing behind us. They have it on their, like, menu? Well, hell, let me try this. So I'm like, good move. And it, it was, it had a, it was amazing, And um, just the sides, like the carrots, I'm like, okay, everything was just. um, It didn't remind me of any of their other restaurants, right? Like it just, it it had its own, it had its own vibe, and um, I really enjoyed every. To say I there was nothing that I didn't enjoy, I hate. I, I always, I'm like, I, I was trying to pick it apart before the call, but there was nothing I didn't enjoy. I mean, I enjoyed the bubbles, the pairings. I mean, everything was. I was a happy girl.
0: Right, right. Omar, the sommelier. We were like, oh, we 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 had bubbles to start with the oysters and caviar, and then we're like, oh, but we want something different with, you know, with our entrees. And he was like, oh, I got you, and he busted out this kind of mineral. You know, mineral forward. It was either Italian or Greek. It's like there's mm-hmm. there's some fun stuff on that list. They're not wines that I'm familiar with, and and it pains me a little bit that the all the glasses of champagne are in that like twenty five to thirty dollar range. It kind of right. makes it, you know, I would be so pleased if they would uh, put like a fifteen dollar glass of Delamont or something on on the by the glass list. But but that's not what they're doing. But but there are but there are great you know there's a really great cocktail menu so. They've got you kind of covered there, but I mean, you talked about the grouper, you know, the lobster gnocchi, it's like, everybody's doing lobster ravioli. So, you know, spin it around, right? Do you know, do lobster gnocchi and it, and it, and it had that, the lobster was really nicely cooked and it had that sweetness in the, in the stock with the pasta. Uh, I mean, just a really, really tasty dish. And, you know, I've, I've actually been back and, you know, you mentioned the carrots and the grits, which is what we had. And then I went back for the roasted eggplant. And and that was delicious. So there's a lot of thought that's gone into all these little uh, vegetable sides that they're doing.
1: Yeah, I saw you spun the block. I saw you get Eric spinning the block going back. Yep, I saw that. Well, right? Like no
0: mystery. Uh, <laughs> essentially, my mother, my mother saw my pictures from our our dinner and was like, "We're going." So mom wants. Mom gets what mom wants. But you know, you mentioned you mentioned the grouper. Uh, the other thing I had when I went back was the chicken fried snapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I mean, just so nice, like juicy, crispy, so nicely cooked. And, and you know, I I think that's kind of that's kind of past and present, right? Like, or or present and yeah, right. Because you know, at a at a Papa dough or a restaurant or, or a Papa Seafood, chicken fried snapper would be the obvious choice, and and it was very delicious, and I'm glad we ordered it. But if you're going to Little's and you want like, if you want to know what makes Little's different, get that pansier grouper. Because we don't see that on very many menus, you know, and and so it's it's really emblematic of what they're doing, and and you know, obviously the caviar is super expensive, right? Like you know, you get a you get a one ounce tin or however big those little tins are uh, for a hundred bucks, but it comes with these great potato croquettes and the radish butter and the the onion and the you know, it's it's a it's a wonderful caviar presentation, right? And so if you're looking to splurge. Yeah, if you're looking to splurge, I would splurge, and then you know I have to I have to ask you the question that everybody's asking me, which is if I if I said we could go to either Little's Oyster Bar or Navy Blue for dinner tonight, where would which would you choose and why?
1: It's so funny because it's there's no comparisons. It's literally what is how do you feel? You know, people are putting them together like they are the same. It's literally like having a banana and an apple. I mean, really. Only thing they have in common is their seafood restaurants, though. So, it's like, do I want more oysters and bubbles? Then I'm going little. Am I thinking that I want maybe more cocktails and maybe um, like you know, I like that grouper sandwich or um, the one dish you, you were telling me about, some of the dishes that you talked about, maybe the chicken dish or something right, like that. The blackened snapper, you know, right. I love
0: that black and snapper <laughs> at, at Navy Blue. Right. Um, you know, the swordfish au poivre. Right, right. but there's no
1: fun. The only thing they have in common is seafood. There's a space for both of them. Right, like there's you, you. I'm like, okay, tonight I want to go to Navy Blue. Tomorrow I want to go to Little. That's literally it. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick and choose. The, the where you're gonna have to pick and choose, and still there's no picking choosing. Um, is when they, um, when there's another oyster bar that comes, and still really there's no picking and choosing on that. That'll kind of be based on. How spending you want to be that night, right? But but depending between um, Navy Blue and Little, there's no comparison, in my opinion.
0: No, no, I, I I I mean, I set you up and kind of backed you into a corner, <laughs> but uh, you you skillfully avoided avoided it. And and you know, I agree with you, right? That they are they are distinct experiences with different menus, and and obviously there's some there's some overlap, right? They both overlap, they both have. Yeah. They both have oysters, they both have uh they both have fun cocktails they both have key lime pie, uh you know <laughs> most most notably, right? I, I guess you can't open a seafood restaurant without key lime pie, but th- they're they're distinct, and I would go to each restaurant separately for different dishes and and I would enjoy the meals at both restaurants. Yeah. and so you know i I know I know everybody wants to pick and wants to say one is better than the other. And I'm just not – I'm not ready to do that. I really like them both. And I have been to both in the last month and and feel like I've got a good handle on both of them. And there are times when I will want to go to Navy Blue. I think maybe in a group I would be more likely to go to Navy Blue because that menu is really set up for for sharing. But if yeah. it's like two or four, probably more – maybe a little more likely to go to Littles. But but also it's like, who am I dining with? What is the occasion? How does how do the menus look to the other people I'm eating with? All of that, all of that just plays into the plays into the experience or the decision. Knowing yeah. that we're gonna have good service either way. They're pretty dining rooms either way. They're conveniently located either way. You know, so there's there's a lot to recommend either one of them. And then it really it just I, I really think people are gonna have to try them and decide for themselves what they prefer based on their own individual taste
1: yeah i agree
0: all right and then let's talk about another restaurant that is not new it's been around for a little while it is viola and agnes neo soul cafe this is all the way down in seabrook this is a this is a restaurant that's gotten some attention i know allison cook put it on the chronicles top 100 list a few years ago i think it still has a place there but it, it you know this is a place you and i had been talking about going for a while and i'm glad we finally did because it it is just you know you kind of you're rolling down NASA Road One you know on the road to Kima, and you you know you go around a bend and it's this, you know this kind of dilapidated looking strip center, and you walk into this restaurant with with very little in the way of expectations, but it's one of the most satisfying meals I've had all year, right? Just to put that just to put my cards on the table, so I'm going to turn it over to you and let you talk about what we liked about Neo Soul Cafe, and then I'll I'll clean it up.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad to finally get back out there. You know, when I first went it was years ago. So this has been around for years. Um, and so many people haven't heard about them, right? And, um, I was, I went for lunch and they were out of the gumbo. So, you know, I was bummed out. I was like, ah. And I just hadn't, every time I kept saying I was going to go back, I just hadn't made it back out there. So now they're in their new location, which is a little bit further down. And um, it was great to have, um, it was us and it was pretty, uh, 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 what, it was four of us? There were five
0: of us. Five of us. So
1: therefore we got a nice selection, right? We we were (laughs)
0: basically able to order most of the menu.
1: Most of the menu. And I would have to say that we were so happy. I, I think I probably cried at a moment at a point. Um, there was things that I didn't want to try because I didn't want to keep eating because I know I had other stuff that I wanted to eat. Um, that's how satisfying it was. Um, I made the list of things that I wanted to talk about, right? And I'm like, there's nothing that I didn't like.
0: Well, but, but the people people who've been listening to the show for a long time, they know you. Mm-hmm. They know that you are very particular about gumbo. So right. let me just ask you about the gumbo specifically. Yes. Please explain to the people what it what it reminded you of.
1: So the funny thing about the gumbo, Eric, everybody was waiting for me to eat the gumbo. Like, um, first we look I look at the menu and I'm like, did they change the gumbo every day? Because they have um they do a chicken sausage. They describe, I'm like, it's a chicken, sausage, crab, okra, gumbo. I'm like, well, that's different, you know. Then I see a bowl come out, and it's a huge bowl. So I just literally leave the bowl of gumbo on the table. I don't want to touch it, and everyone's like, when are you going to taste the gumbo? I'm like, I'll get to it, but I'm kind of scared to taste it because I don't want to be disappointed. And finally, I go in. And which I always do, I kind of taste the, you know, I taste the root first. And I'm like, wait, what? I I think I literally said, wait, what? And I taste it again. And I'm like, there's no way. And Eric's like, is it that good or is it that bad? I go, wait, I just need to find out something. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) Eric's kind of looking at me. So I asked the waitress, I said, um, do y'all make this the day of or the day before? Like, is he doing this rude, like, is he doing the face and everything the day of, the day before? She's like, oh. And she kind of, like, looks like, I I don't know. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. And I'm kind of frustrated. Like, girl, can you tell me or can you not? And she's like, maybe. And I'm kind of frustrated. Like, is she playing? (laughs) I feel like she's playing with my emotions. I go, I know there's no way that this is like developed like this and it tastes like this. There's no way that they did this the day of. And I don't even think he did the day before. There's no way. Right, right. Just just so
0: I I think, I think just to be very specific, just so people understand gumbo is one of those things that tastes better the next day, right? If you make it on a Monday, eat it on a Tuesday, that kind of thing. Right. Right. And you're, you're saying you tasted this gumbo and it had such depth that you're like, there's no way he made it today and and maybe not even the day before, this is like a three or four day gumbo.
1: Correct. Cause usually when I go to, to be fair, when I go order it, I'll usually ask before I even judge it. And I'll just usually get it to go and take it home and then taste it the next day. So I can be fair in my assessment of the gumbo. And so I, <laughs> I make Eric, I go, Eric, I need you. I give Eric a spoon of the, I you have to taste it. Eric's like, <laughs> Aaron taste it. And, tasted, and it's like, Oh shit! <laughs> right. And so I finally, I'm like, this is really good. I don't eat it though. Like I, I make people taste. I go, there's no way I'm gonna eat this. Like I'm just gonna wait because I can't really get an answer. But um, so I go back and I get a chance to talk to the chef. And chef kind of says, you know, he's worked um, all over. He comes from New Orleans, but he's worked in some, you know, some, I guess, Japanese restaurants and work with ramen and kind of taking his technique of where I use the, the, I said, oh, like they do with the mole, like, right, you know, like, you're kind of developing it. And and he's like, well, yeah, you know, like, um and each day, I'm like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. <laughs>
0: right. Essentially, and, essentially, it's like a sourdough starter. Yeah. Where... He just keeps kind of adding like fresh ingredients to the the gumbo broth and like integrating that in so that you're eating some combination of two-day gumbo, yesterday gumbo, today's gumbo, you know, all together. A- and you compared it to the mole madre at Pujol, which is one of the most famous dishes in the world. So I I would tread very lightly on that, but but it it does have that, it does have that idea of like. You know, everlasting gumbo, right? This infinitely right. replenished. Uh,
1: and that's why he didn't really want me to go there. Like he was like, "What? Yeah, no." <laughs> oh, right. But in my head, that's where I went. But of course, it's because you have the seafood base, you can't go that many like two or three days. But in my mind, that's what I thought because the flavor was so developed. Needless to say, um, I ate it the next day. And if you like gumbo. And um, where folks are like, where do you going to get the best gumbo? Oh, go to your grandmother's house or your aunt's house. Well, I'm going to say drive down 45 South and go to and Agnes. And I think you will be very happy. It is, the gumbo is amazing. It is very good. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. But, you know, that, that's the gumbo. That was just one day. Right.
0: Now we're, we're not going to, we can't do five minutes on every dish, but the the other two that really stuck out for me were that, that fried seafood plate with catfish and shrimp, you know, that, that old school kind of cornmeal, Southern batter, uh, really crispy, really well fried. And then the other one was the curried oxtail, excuse me, beef cheek that I just thought was, you know, one of the, one of the better, uh, oh, one of the better yeah. dishes we ate that night.
1: It was a highlight, definitely a highlight. The beef cheek, and then you also got the butter beans. They were true southern butter beans. They were, um, yeah, on point. And then we also got the pretzel, the pretzel with the. So you got yeah, you the, the pretzel. Right, like, that's why I didn't want to taste it. You're like, you have to taste it. I'm like, no, because I'm going to want to keep eating it, and I, we have so much food coming. <laughs>
0: right, uh, and then the other thing is just the prices are incredibly reasonable. you know, I think that you know, I think the catfish is eighteen bucks, you get a giant fillet. you can add a half a dozen trim for another eight dollars. The beef cheek was this huge portion, you know, twenty four dollars. Everything comes with sides, so you know you you get and and you know you mentioned butter beans and you had uh, you had dirty rice, you had cucumbers and tomatoes, like all the you know fried okra, all the classics. And so, uh, you know, just, uh, it was, it was, a you know, this is like Southern comfort, modern soul food, you know, however you want to describe it, done at a very high level, uh, in a very unassuming environment, at very reasonable prices. So it's, it's a must visit, I think, for anyone who kind of likes that food.
1: Now we'll say, take your patience, take your bottle Yeah, it's on, slow it's, as hell. Yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's been <laughs>
1: It's very slow because everything is literally fired up when you order. And it and looks slow. like they
0: only do one table at a time.
1: Yeah. So literally like if if you're in a rush, if you have no patience, probably not the place for you to go because you're going to be frustrated. Um, we're telling you now. But if you can muster up the patience and you will be very happy with your meal, your, your wallet will be happy, your tummy will be happy. It's worth the drive though. It, it's a wonderful dining experience. I'll, I will say the red beans and rice, I wasn't a fan of the red beans and rice because the red beans, um, they're like vegan red beans and rice. So they're not cooked with, um, you can order the, I ordered the sausage on the, I ordered sausage. You can add sausage. Um, however, because they're not cooked with meat, they just fell flat for me. Like it's just they are they're truly vegan red beans and rice. So even adding the the addition of the sausage, it still didn't like hit like if that they were cooked with that that meat component. You know, if you're a vegan, if you want the vegan red beans and rice, you'll be very happy.
0: Yes, no, I I agree with all that. Uh, no, the the one thing that I the one thing that I I just want to share because it, it made me chuckle is you and I were walking out of the restaurant and it was a Friday night and we were going to Littles that Sunday. And so I said to you, see you Sunday. And a woman who was waiting for her order near the entrance looked at me after you walked out the door and said, what church do y'all go to? (laughs) And so I had to explain that. No, we don't, we're not really church going types. We, we just, we just like going to restaurants. So, but if you if, if but if you need that's all you I think that's all you need to know about Viola and Agnes, which is if you if you go there for dinner on a Friday night and you say you're going to see your friend again in a couple of days on Sunday, you will probably get asked what church you go to. And it and it made perfect sense in that environment. And even as a Jewish person, like I completely got it, not not offended, deeply deeply amused.
1: That's very
0: all right, Felice, I'm going to say that does it for our Restaurants of the Week. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having me, Eric.
0: And I'll be right back with Joshua Weissman. I am joined this week by the owner of Construction Concepts, a construction and design firm that has worked at a whole bunch of Houston restaurants, built the built those restaurants. Joshua Weissman, welcome to the show. How are you?
2: I'm doing great man. Thank you for having me on Eric. I appreciate it.
0: Josh, I thanks for doing this. I want to I want to talk about obviously I want to talk about construction concepts and past projects and current projects and future projects and all that. But, but I I want to kind of start at the beginning. I mean, how did you like what was your what was your life like your professional life like prior to construction concepts? What did what did you do and how did you kind of get into the construction business? I was actually
2: in sales and marketing at a really young age, uh, probably in my very early 20s. And I had a friend that had an up-and-coming construction company. It was residential. And he asked me if I was interested in doing sales and marketing. And I was. He was a good friend. So we grew his residential construction company. And just being young and successful at it, um, I was always a restaurant visitor. I was always a club kid. I was always a foodie as well. I really enjoyed architectural and construction as a kid. And um, I really liked what I was doing uh, more than I spent time in it. I liked residential less and I liked commercial more. So um, visiting, you know, just in venues of commercial aspects of restaurants and nightclubs and bars. We started doing bars and nightclubs when downtown got re- revitalized when the first Super Bowl came to Houston. So we were racing to do nightclubs excuse me, we were racing to do nightclubs downtown. We did a couple of them on main street and it was, it was, it was very quickly that I learned I did not want to do nightclubs construction. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a different animal, but it was, it was still, it was fun. It was a great learning experience and um, it got our, it it got our brand out there for unique design and build, which we had our hands on for, for being, you know, being creative on a dime, you know, nightclubs have a very short lifespan, You've got to recreate them every few years. So it was it was always, you know, small budget, small timeline of getting them back open. And, you know, you need the wow factor. So I feel like that helped pave the way for a lot of the restaurant stuff that we do today, trying to be creative and value engineering and budget friendly for some of the clients that don't have the big budgets. So it started at like 21, 22, swinging hammers, doing architecture remodels. By 23, 24, we were doing um, some nightclub Renovations and remodels, and some night new nightclub builds, and then sh- shortly after, um, from being out in the industry, meeting people, we we got a couple restaurant builds, and I and I found that I really enjoyed working with the owners, the operators, the chefs. I've, I've always been a foodie; I love to cook, and I really, it really, it really spoke to me for doing the restaurants.
0: All right. First of all, you said you know you started in residential, but you liked commercial better. What what was it about commercial that that appealed to you?
2: Probably more the finishes that you're able to do. You know, residential typically are are pretty standard. You know, you're you're not doing when you're when you're doing remodel builds, unless you're doing really high end, they're they're pretty standard. They're pretty similar. Uh, right. Finishes, Everybody, though, everybody's
0: got the same granite countertops or the same. Similar, uh, right?
2: Like, like sure. it, it's almost when you go into certain neighborhoods, I mean, you're you're always or friends' houses. I mean, you're looking at the same things at trend, you know, certain countertops, certain design. Commercial world was every project was very uniquely different. Um, every architect that touched it, you know, always brought in some different elements. So they were always very unique, very different, very one off and very challenging. They're not just here's some countertops and, and you know, bathroom and master shower, et cetera. It was always something different, unique that, that was a challenge. You have to uh, pull all the trades together and, you know, create a masterpiece.
0: All right. Now, I I didn't do a ton of running around on Main Street uh, 20 years ago, but I did a little bit. So what were, what was, what were the first projects? Like, what were those first? Uh, one of
2: the, I think one of, the, one of the ones I can remember, one of the biggest ones we did, I believe it was called 511 Main. And there was another one called Mint mint nightclub where we did all white stucco with a, a neon green entrance. And then Five Eleven main was a full interior, typical nightclub, you know, flashing lights, mirrors, um, LEDs. Right. Right. Loud music, flashing lights. I mean, you, you pretty much nail it every time.
0: <laughs> all right. And then how did you kind of make that transition from, okay, this club thing is fun, but you know, I'm a, I'm a foodie. I really want to be involved in restaurants. What were who was the first or who were a couple of the first people that gave you a shot? Great to? question.
2: <clears throat> we we changed our marketing approach and I believe it was more just grassroots marketing knocking on doors. We created a flyer, we had residential and commercial construction. And I believe it actually it's still there today. I think it's called Izakaya or Is it's something it's on Memorial near town and country mall. Oh Izakaya Walk. Yeah. So that was my first restaurant remodel, probably like 16 17 years maybe 14 15 years ago um it was it was one of my first restaurant remodels when they first came to market
0: that's a cool spot because it feels very like it feels like you've taken a trip to japan when you walk through the doors
2: it was very authentic uh, we had just a gentleman had called us i don't remember how or why but he called us we came out looked at it it was it was a smaller budget um it was in they'd already been around a few years and it was an interior remodel we did a lot of woodworking we did the back um the back custom wood bar but i remember it was one of our first or second restaurant deals and i remember it stuck out because the food was actually exceptionally good the chef was very passionate about what they did and they're still there to this day so it, it was one that we definitely remembered and were proud of but that was one of three probably of the first restaurant projects we ever did
0: yeah so I guess kind of how did the how did the business evolve i mean once you you get a couple of restaurants under your belt like how do you how do you kind of get the word out how do you how do you build the the reputation that you have now
2: we did so we started we wanted to do more commercial work and we had uh, we were great at framing and drywall and interior finishes so we actually in the beginning we did a lot of um the box stores, you know, we did like some Dunkin' Donuts, Long John Silvers. We did a lot of the franchise stuff as a framing drywall interior finish company. As we grew our brand, we weren't quite a GC yet. We were GCing small stuff. We weren't a big GC by any means. We were taking just about any bit of work we could do. We did some commercial work, some interior build-outs, some office work and by doing the franchise work we really started to understand how, how restaurants go together you know they bring in these big teams with the big equipment packages and we really learned very quickly how much it took to build a restaurant properly and i, I just really liked that arena but i liked the more the custom you know the higher end the, the you know the, the big box franchise stuff it's very cookie cutter very similar to you know, what we were kind of doing in the in the in the residential world. So we wanted to go out and seek more of the higher end custom stuff. And it was really just through marketing, knocking on doors, making really attractive, you know, brochures, flyers, things like that.
0: All right. So what would what were maybe one or two of the first like really high end custom jobs you got?
2: Uh, let's see. For sure, the one that really changed our path was fifty one fifteen in the galleria. Okay. We had done a handful of remodels before that one, but that one was what that really allowed us to, to go full out and, and show off some amazing design. It was done by a, a local amazing designer, Nina Magone, and her studio. It allowed us to go in and really show off you know, her design, our capabilities as a contractor. And we had a very short timeline. You know, that was brought to us where they had maybe about 120 days left. The owners had just um, they hadn't selected a contractor. They were behind with the mall opening, and it was one of these: "Hey, uh, if you can build this in four months, it's yours to take." And it was very challenging. (laughs) But it was, uh, you know, it's it's the same story, right? Small budget, small timeline, and and pull this off. So we we jumped at the challenge, and it's it were definitely um, definitely one of it was the biggest changing point of our career was that project. That's when people said, kind of, you know, knew who we were from then on.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I. I mean, I, I feel like I see construction concepts banners all over town, right? I, you, and you've worked with, you know, just a ton of people who've been on this podcast, right? I, I mean, you guys built Doris Metropolitan, I think. Yes, sir. Boscat Kitchen. Correct. Um, I, I mean, who are, you know, maybe, maybe kind of go through what are, what are some of your favorite projects that you've done over the years?
2: You've you've touched on Dory's is one of my favorites because we worked with um, with Dory himself actually one on one and he is very artistic. Uh, this guy would literally spend about every day every minute in the restaurant with us working hand in hand. But he's an artist, you know. He would sketch stuff on a napkin, would stick it on the wall, and we'd build it. He would he would literally be there holding our hands, which was was good and bad. But it's one of my favorite projects. Um, just great operators, very. Uh, they're very serious about their brand and what they do and they deliver a great product. So they're, they're definitely one of my favorites. I really enjoy, uh, we also did Marmo. I really enjoy working with the Atlas Group. Um, very similar. These guys are very passionate about their brand. The chefs are all amazing. The staff's amazing. And Marmo was really a, another one that we really enjoyed working on. Um, there's been, you know, there's been little randoms like the old Zim's. We turned into um, Bar Victor, which had a little restaurant piece. It was really, really nice to work in that small space because I'd always hung out there when I was younger. You know, date night, wife night, we, we'd go there and, and hang out. So it was really neat transforming that to a cool place. Ninfa's Uptown was ours. And then we also redid remodeling for navigation. Uh, Bosscat, John's become a great friend. Him and his team are amazing to work with. They're also the same owners of Tensushi. We did that one as well. Uh, let's see, more recently, you know, we've worked with some really, really neat people like, um, you know, Burger Bodega, they were really fun because of the, the really crazy design that they, they wanted. I say crazy, but it's, it's just really unique that they had this vision and we thought at first when we saw it on paper and renderings, we we're like, well, oh, that's interesting. But when we pulled it off, it really came out so just amazing. Really, really liked it. Yeah. It's really
0: immersive, right? I mean that, you know, a boss had a pretty clear vision and he found that great a Houston based design team to kind of help them bring it together. And then when you're, you're in there, I mean, it's, it's a small space, but it, it really does kind of take you places.
2: Yeah, it does. It kind of takes you out of the Houston uh, feel. You know, when you're in a restaurant that cool, it, it really, you know, it's funny singing on paper and then seeing it done. It's really, really unique. Um, And and we love it. And it came out cool. Uh,
0: What are you working on these days? I mean, what, you know, there's just a ton of new restaurants opening What, what are, what are a couple that you can't wait to show Show uh, we've got
2: some cool stuff coming. One of one of my um, can't wait to sees is uh, Madera. You know these guys uh, from started in LA. They've got uh, Scottsdale about to open Miami. Um, you know we kind of consider them around here in the office like the powerhouse. You know they're 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 one of the most popular brands. You know definitely not the largest brand in the country, but they're one of the most popular brands in the country. And they just they I feel like they really do a great job. You know we have flown out to LA, Arizona, and Vegas to see their brand in action. And they've, they've got a great team. They've got the design down with a great design team. They've got the operations and I believe they really touch on all senses. Right. You know, acoustics are important to them. The Lighting is important to them, you know, the food, the ambiance, everything. So I'm, I'm really excited for Houston to really see this kind of product. It, it's going to be a sensational build. It's going in the new Allen center or the new Allen um, project. And that alone is a very unique, cool building. And um, to see that kind of, you know, um, operator and concept in that building to be really cool.
0: Yeah. I don't know that we've really talked about on the show that the news only officially came out a couple of weeks ago, but it's a high end kind of Mexican
2: inspired steakhouse. That's right. That's right. And you know, it's, it's kind of unique because they tend to focus more on the entertainment piece of it. And once we, you know, went out to visit their other locations and meet with the operations team, I mean, I was really blown away with the food, which is obviously, you know, how important that is for the Houston market. You know, a lot of people bring style and flair and, and you know, cool concepts, but if you don't back it up with really extraordinary food and service, you know, we're, we're we tend to be a pretty hard market here and they delivered. I mean, we were really blown away. I remember we were talking at dinner, like, wow, these these guys should have led with food. I mean, the, the food really is remarkable. So it's, uh it's going to be exciting to see it come to town and open up.
0: Yeah. Is that kind of a typical thing for you when you, when you start working with, especially some of these big out of town groups? I mean, is it important to you to like get a feel for their existing concepts by, by traveling and and seeing what they're working with?
2: Usually. Yes. We, what we want to do is make sure we capture, you know, what they're going for. You know um, some people, you know, when you look at blueprints, you can easily read what you're building but I feel like if you really get to walk and touch and feel the space and know the operators and meet the chefs and really find out what's important, you know, some people like Doris, you know, these guys are meticulous about lighting and acoustics, you know, making sure the ambiance is set to the right feeling. When you walk in some, some clients are like, look, get me open and our food is going to do everything um, or our service is going to sell it. So yeah, really understanding the client's needs and wants and feeling and touching their brand helps quite a bit because we'll take one or two of our team members. We take a ton of photos. Getting to have a real hands on experience makes makes a big difference for us. You know, we, we like to really know our client and our brands that we're bringing to, to, to market and understand what's really important to them.
0: And and tell me a little bit about, you know, your relationship to because, you know, we profile different restaurant designers. Different, different people have different people they want to work with. I mean, what's it like for you? You know, what's the interaction like between build and design, I guess, right? How do you, you know, where does the where does the rubber meet the road, so to speak?
2: Sure. We, we, you know, it goes around here, it goes twofold. So we either take blueprints, design prints, and just build it per spec. You know, you bring me, you're a client, you bring me blueprints, design package, we read it, we work hand in hand with the designers and the architects and we'll build it turnkey per plan, per design. Then you have other clients that come to us for the full package, design, architectural, um, everything turnkey as well. So we we do both very well, either learning and knowing what the client wants through their brand, through their designer, through their architect and simply follow instructions or some clients come to us and say, look, we've seen what you do around town. We'd like you guys to give us some concepts, some ideas and we, we can design it fully in house as well. So it's either we spend a lot of time with the client in advance trying to capture their, their style, their vision, and really take it from concept to completion. Or we honestly get the get the cheat sheets where it's handed to us and say, here you go, build it, which is a lot easier, usually, and faster. <laughs> right. Here's the design. Here's the materials we want. Go do. That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, some of them look, they're just looking for a number. So it's like, here's the architecture. Here's the design. What's it going to cost me? And that's where, you know, you you need to be competitive. You need to be aggressive in this market. You need to understand what you're building. But at the end of the day, um, you know, price is obviously very important.
0: Tell me a little bit about, you know, working with the city, right? Because every time, you know, a restaurant, you know, inevitably we get a press release and the restaurant says we're going to open in the fall and then the fall comes and goes and it's spring or even summer. Or the next fall. Yeah, or the next fall. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, I mean, we we know that this is a difficult time. We know that there've been supply shortages and cost increases and all that stuff. So, how is how is your how has it changed from your perspective over the last couple of years?
2: It it, is definitely more challenging. Um, You know, the city has its internal review process, and you know, everybody talks about it. You know, how painful it is. However. It is what it is. I mean, you know, as we're a growing city and there's more stuff coming online, the city's busier. So there, there definitely are some challenges on the city and permit side. The procurement side as well. You know, uh, right after COVID, we, you know, everybody had the same problems. You couldn't get a vent hood. You couldn't get a walk-in cooler. There was tons of delays. And then also two price increases. All materials have gone up across the board and, and nothing's really come down. They're just not continually going up. So pricing has jumped probably, you know, 35, 40% from where it was two years ago. just across the board on all materials, mechanicals, finishes, et cetera. Trade labor is not cheap because everybody got busy. So all of a sudden everybody's premium to do anything for you, you know, painter, tile, et cetera. Every trade across the board has gone up in price as well. So it's, the market has increased on construction costs and then, you know, delay times, you know, you, you you factor in what the city, you, you know, the city is going to take as far as permit timing. I don't feel that there's these huge time delays these days. Um, as long as you really have a plan when you sit down and you're, you know, you're going right from architect to permitting and you, you know, properly lay out your procurement and, and all your, you know, what's going to happen first, right? The car before the horse, but if you can order pre-order your units, your control panels, your disconnects, things that, you know, have a little bit of a lead time. You you being proactive, you, you're you not looking at too much delays. City can delay you a little bit, but if you've got a really strong architect and I would highly recommend a permit expediter, there's a bunch of great ones here in Houston. They will handhold your project from some middle to the end. And I think that's the most important part for somebody waiting on a permit. You know, spend that little extra money, you know, whether it's 800 or 1800 for a good permit expediter, spend that money because they will track it. They will know how to communicate with the city for revisions or what the architect or engineer need to, um, you know, what box needs to be checked, so to speak. It will, it will make your life a lot easier. You will get it permitted a lot faster. So we, we recommend it. We do it on every project.
0: Yeah. What, what are, what are some of the other things that you've sort of learned over the years? Like if you, you know, what do you, what are, what advice do you give, especially to, to people who maybe have never opened a restaurant before or, you know, maybe like a, a boss Cat or an Atlas or coming into the market for the first time?
2: I believe two things. Um, one is, I would say, which a lot of people don't like to, you know, show their cards, but I'd say first off, you know, share your budget with your architect and design team. You know, a lot of clients, you know, they have a vision of what they want. And if they don't share their budget, you're going to get a beautiful design from, you know, an architect and, and a design team that you know, they're, they're, they're shooting for the gold, right? They want to design a masterpiece. So if you don't share your budget, what we've seen in the past many times is somebody will sit down and, and they'll have a good budget, but they'll say, look, this is my budget. Here's my blueprints. Here's my uh, design package. And you know, how quick can you start? And then we go through the, the bid process and we come back and say, look, you know, we, we missed the mark by 40% because it's such a unique or elaborate design or or such a high end spec finish package, So I'd say first off, you know, be very transparent with your design team and your architect and make sure they they communicate and coordinate. You know, a lot of people go out, they sign a lease, they hire an architect, then they go hire another design firm. I'd say make sure that everybody's communicating, you know, the architect, the design team, have them go through the lease and bring up some of the key lease terms of what the space is offering, what it needs. Because you'll jump into a lease, you'll jump, um, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll marry to an architect design team and then you're restricted by your budget. And I've seen people just spend their wheels trying to, you know, get up and running, but the, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're restricted. The budget is what the budget is. So I'd say, you know, be transparent with everybody on what that budget is, you know, real budget that will help quite a bit.
0: I, I once had uh, Omar Paranay on it, you know, as a consultant, it's like, you know, you know, do you ever put like guardrails up on people, or like do you or, do you ever see something in the design and like try to steer people away from it because you just you know it's either going to be like super expensive or or not going to work very well?
2: Absolutely, uh, they may not like to hear it, but absolutely. So, you know, part of part of what we do is also value engineering. So, if somebody brings us a plan and we say, look, you know, we're twenty percent of the budget, you know, are you comfortable with us possibly you know removing some items? You know, some people get fixated on certain finishes. That I feel like at the end of the day, aren't going to really be noticed by anybody, but let's say the owner and myself. For example, you know we, we've seen guys that want, let's just say like real marble floors. You know I want, want marble floors throughout the entire space. And there's a handful of reasons you shouldn't use real marble. However, if they really want marble floors, we'll give it to them, but it's going to come at, at an excruciating cost. It's a high wear and tear product. It stains, um But you know it's, it's things, slippery, like, right? Like, like it's dangerous to walk on. Like there's a well, many that reasons. Porous, it doesn't that's clean a bad door. idea. Turn colors. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so many reasons not to use it. We get some clients that would fixate on something like a floor, where you can find options. You know, there's a lot of really great products. You, we call it VE, but value engineer. You can find a lot of really wow fact wow products that are you know very cost affordable. So yes, you know we've looked at stuff in a plan and say, well, if you want to save twenty thousand dollars. Let's take the marble floor out and go with the stained concrete or LVT or, or something similar where once you put 40 tables on it, 120 chairs and about 300 people, who's going to really see the floors as much as you think they are? So, yes, there are some details where we say, look, you know, how important are these floors to you and where do you want us to cut costs? This is one way to cut costs. So we definitely do that. I, I you know, the, the hard part is mechanical, your mechanical Being your electrical, your HVAC, your plumbing is very hard to cut cost on. You know, when it's designed properly, I tell people, you know, 65% of your budget is going to be the infrastructure, the stuff you don't see that you have to have, right? Metal framing, your mechanical plumbing, HVAC, water heaters, et cetera. That cost doesn't change much. Then you're left with, you know, 30 to 35% for your finishes, your wow factor. Depending on, on the style of the build and square footage, of course. But the finishes are really what you have left to play with when it comes to budget. And that's where you can, you, you can pick up some extra money or some value engineering or some savings is in the finishes.
0: How would you kind of describe like design trends, right? Like, you know, 10 years ago, it was that, that kind of farmhouse thing with the yeah. Edison bulbs.
2: Yeah, lots uh, of grass.
0: Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's mostly gone away. I don't, I don't think I've seen an Edison bulb in a, in a bar or restaurant in a minute. Um, Where, where are we now? Like, how would you kind of, what, what are maybe two or three of the the most popular trends that you see in terms of an aesthetic or what are are you being being, asked to execute? Yeah. What I'm seeing more
2: of, which I really actually like is we're we're seeing a lot more like um, higher end luxury finishes. You know, people are going the extra mile to wow people So we're seeing, you know, a lot more brass and gold. We're seeing a lot more metals on the interiors. Um, One thing I like is we're starting to see a lot more florals and colors. You know, things are becoming very colorful, very florally, whether it's wallpaper or trees inside, which I like quite a bit. Uh, We're starting to see a lot of natural woods. We're getting back a more modern take on it, but we're starting to see a lot of mahogany, um, walnuts, a lot of natural woods done with like brass inlays. So, it you know to me it's trending um, to a really cool you know higher end feel for a lot of spaces. You still have of course the difference between the market of everybody's style, but we are seeing more high end stuff. Like the more stuff that we're bidding and looking at for restaurant tours around town, we're seeing some really unique, very cool finishes.
0: Yeah, I mean you know you talked about Ten Sushi. I mean that that's one of those right with the the trees inside and the the wood and it's and it's warm and it's you know I we've talked about this. I, I talk about it on the show all the time, but I, I do feel like, you know, post pandemic, right. Restaurants are really looking to create an experience, right. Something that you, you know, something that you can't get just by having the food delivered or, or to a go. And so that, that makes sense to me that they're trying to create like a more luxurious and welcoming
2: environment. I think, I think so. I mean, I think when you look at a lot of the, the I, I call them larger brands, but like the substantial, you know, steakhouses or, you know, Seafood restaurants or places that have been there a long time doing big revenue numbers, you know, when they're really nice and high end and entertaining, I feel like, you know, you're, you're getting people to stay longer, right? Which means bigger tickets and more revenue. So, you know, in these atmospheres, it's not a turn and burn. It's, hey, you know, have some cocktails, hey, have some dinner, have some dessert, then have a bottle of wine and then stay and have some friends at the table. So I feel like the more comfortable it is, the more, you know, the more that you get to entertain and, you know, I tell people more is more, right? Like if the place is busy and, and every corner, there's something unique to look at, you're entertaining people. Yes, you've got great food and service, but I think the place itself is also offering entertainment as well. So it's ambiance, you know, um, we've got clients that even looking, you know, past the acoustics and the LEDs and like, you know, senses and smells and just a little bit, of everything, how the how the booth, you know, feels when you slide into it, what kind of, you know, uh, materials are you using? So I think all of it really touches on all your senses to make you say, wow, I really, really like this place. It just feels good. And you're staying there and you're spending money and you're entertained.
0: Is there anything that you haven't done yet that you really want to do? Like, do you you have like a dream project that you're you're like waiting for somebody to come to come to you and say, I want to build, I don't don't even know what it would be, but is there anything that's on the bucket list you haven't had a chance to do yet?
2: I mean, you know, it's funny you say that because we've, we've gotten close with some of these newer, big, newer, higher end brands coming to town that are just, you know, spending more and more every time. Um, I would love someone to say, look, you know, go, go do your worst. Here's an open checkbook, you know, design me the nicest restaurant we've ever seen. So I think that that's a bucket list there. We, we have not had that happen yet, but we've had some clients that have come in with some great concepts. Um, and, and what really makes it nice is when they're, when they understand what it's going to cost, you know, they don't come in with a concept and say, well, here's a concept, but here's a budget. They don't match when they come in with an amazing concept in a matching budget. It really makes it nice that we know that we're going to be able to pull that off. So dream job, just for everybody out there is, is a no budget project. Love <laughs> to see one of those. What,
0: what, I mean, what is kind of a typical, what what does it cost to build a restaurant these days?
2: Like a great question, and that's what everybody wants to know, right? Uh, the the moving target or the cart before the horse. It you know you can build a good prod, uh, a good restaurant. You can build a good finished product for two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars a foot, and some would say, "Wow, that's expensive." Some would say, "Wow, well, that sounds a little too cheap." But but it's also a moving target, Eric, because if you look at What is the landlord providing? You know, is it coming with grease traps? Is it coming with 800 amps of power to the space? Is it a one story versus a six story? You know, these few little details can make your project swing a couple hundred thousand dollars each way easily. So like if you're going into a new space, which a bunch of landlords these days, they really, a bunch of these developers and landlords, they do a great job of bringing utilities to the space where you've got sanitary, you've got, um, You've got grease trap line. You've got uh, power right behind the building. You've got a, uh, a duct that goes all the way to the roof for your mechanical. They're setting them up for success where you get somebody who just signs a lease and runs into a building and you're like, OK, your power's a thousand feet away. Your chase is through a neighbor's suite. You're on the second floor. The guy below you is in business. We have to core through the floor during you know midnight hours. So there's all these moving parts that people really need to do a site analysis and evaluate before they just jump into a lease. That can swing that dollar amount, uh, you know, drastically. You know, so we could say, yeah, you know, our budget for this concept on, on an architecture plan is two two fifty a foot, but then they show me a space and I'm like, oh yeah, you're at five hundred a foot all day, and they're like, well, what happened? What changed? And and it's really it, it is you know it's individual case basis. Every site's different. Some sites are really easy. I can park my trucks in the lot. I can work, you know, I can work, you know, multiple hours, but, you know, you take downtown, for example, we've passed on some projects downtown where they're, you know, in a bank building with neighbors or residents, there's no parking. You can't get permits to shut the street down or you have to pay traffic. Um, You know, you can't get deliveries. You can't work during certain hours. You can't store your materials on site. Can't get a dumpster port can. And it makes it so challenging where you're like, look, this would be, you know, a half million dollar, coffee shop in Midtown, but it's going to cost you a million bucks in downtown. And those are the type of projects we're like, you know what? Maybe we just don't want to take on this, you know, this, this very challenging project. You know, it's just too many, too many uh, issues or obstacles, but that's what will change the budget. Now, obviously the next thing that's going to change the budget are finishes, you know, you just like, you know, with whether your home or your, you know, your car or your, your style of clothing, I mean, you can spend some money real fast on really nice stuff. So you know you could take a tile that you can get a nice looking tile for four to ten dollars a foot, and you can get a really nice tile for fifty bucks a foot. So it just really depends on your your style of what you want as well as what's being designed, and that's where sometimes we do value engineer because an architect makes spec a really you know beautiful tile at fifty bucks a foot, and we run all the numbers and we come up with one of these you know wall tiles that covers half the walls and it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars for tile. So right. we'll have to come back and find something uniquely cool, uh, similar for, you know, eight, nine bucks a foot. We save the client, you know, 70, 80 grand. So finishes are where we're going to spend a lot of your money. Yeah, I, I can only imagine, if,
0: you know, even, you know, even if I say I had a, a half a million dollars or six or seven hundred thousand dollars to build a restaurant, that if if you told me uh, that wall as designed is going to cost you a hundred grand, I'd be like, uh, let's find a way to do it for Ten, you know, or, yeah, or and I tell you,
2: we're gonna do a really cool wallpaper.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Save that's me. right. Yeah, that's right. I don't. Actually, I don't need. A, uh, I don't need the tile.
2: I, that's you know, right. We're <laughs> actually looking at a really. Uh, we're doing a really cool project right now. We have a. Uh, we have a translucent quartzite where it's it's seat, it's not see through but it's translucent. We're putting LEDs behind it. It glows. It's some of the most beautiful stone I've ever seen. But it's it's eleven thousand dollars a slab. Uh, where most of your, you know, quartz, granite, quartzite, porcelain countertops are, you know, eighteen hundred to three grand for a really nice one. These are eleven, and they need nine of them to go around the bar. So it's an extravagant look. It is a wow piece, but you know, it, it's what you pay for, right? So it, it is going to be a wow piece. But yeah, you can spend a ton of money on finishes.
0: I, I mean, I, I guess as an operator, right? As long as you, you know, if, if but if it's the centerpiece, if it's what brings people in. You know, maybe maybe that is the maybe that is the hill you need to die on, right? Like well, that's what I was going to say. You know,
2: for, for you to walk into a place and feel that it's you know it's special, it's unique, it's different, and it gives you a wow factor uh, on top of you know beautiful service and ambiance and 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 you know food and drinks. If you want a wow factor and you budgeted for it, then yeah, absolutely. You know, you can definitely get it. So to answer your question, I, I think two hundred and fifty to three hundred is is a good budget for a, a a build out with a decent finished product. And then if you're going on the more high-end side, I mean, we're, 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 seeing stuff 500 to $700 a foot all day for, for a nice high-end build.
0: Um, And, and I guess, is that, is that kind of where you, I mean, do you have a preference? Do you, do you, do you want to build more more restaurants like uh, that are casual and, and kind of funky like Burger Bodega or do you, do you want to, you know, you want to like knock out as many, you know, Dory Marmo style places as you can?
2: Great question. Um, I, I really like both. You know, we like unique. We like the one offs. Um, I love the higher end stuff because, you know, we, we like to visit these places as well. So it's really nice to be like, oh, yeah, we built this and it's extravagant. But I really still do like working on the small one offs, the unique designs. Um, you know, we, we really like to pull off we, around here. We kind of tease like Mission Impossible where, someone will come to us with blueprints and go, Hey, you know, here's my blueprints. Here's my budget. And, you know, this is all I've got. And we like to build wow on every one of our projects. So like, we want to try to find a way to offer unique and different. So even if it's a limited budget and it's a mom and a pop or a first time, or even their fifth time, we we like to really add, uh, give them added value. So we like both. We really do. Um, I love building the high-end restaurants personally because I visit, all of them, all the restaurants we do, I visit and we support. But uh, I really like both. I mean, if I had to pick one or the other, I would pick the really extremely nice one and extravagant one. But I still really enjoy working on both hand in hand with the clients.
0: Outside of the projects that you've done, do you, do you have like a couple of favorite spaces in town that you just look at and you think they did a really nice job with
2: that one? Yeah, I do. I do. You want to name them? Yeah, Yeah, I I really, I I really enjoy Mastros. I think they did a fantastic job with the ambiance, the inside outside. Uh, I really like Mastros. Um, There's a handful that uh, there's a couple other ones that uh, you know we we visit. My wife and I will visit just on date nights. We really enjoy that are just really nice, great, well done products. You know that we like to visit quite a bit. All right. Well,
0: Josh, I got to say that does bring me to the end of my questions. Is there something you wanted to discuss that I haven't asked you about?
2: I think you did a great job of kind of nailing all of them, man. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Sure. Joshua Weissman, what is the outdated trend you are happiest about that it's gone away?
2: My baggy clothes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what is the first band you ever saw you ever saw in concert? Oh man,
2: uh, cannot recall.
0: Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present?
2: Another mm. good one, Jose Altuve.
0: What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive through.
2: Oh, it's going to be probably Chick Fil A on Hangover Day.
0: <laughs> and then finally, what uh, what new Houston restaurant have you been to recently that really impressed
2: you? Uh, what was it uh, we just went? Actually, Graffiti Raw. Good answer.
0: Josh, give us the, the website for construction concepts and the social media. How can people?
2: Sure, uh, can man. Contact? appreciate it. Buildit.com. B-U-I-L-D. Actually, sorry. Buildit Houston.com. B-U-I-L-D-I-T Houston.com.
0: Well, once again, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
2: Hey, bud. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Have fun.
0: Yes, it's fun. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.